Taylor Trask here with me. Todd A. Todd A. And you're listening to the Todd and Taylor show. Uh, but for now. For now. Yeah, exactly. For now. We, we're, we're debating names as we speak. And we've gotten a few suggestions, even from our episode zero, the, the primordial goo that this show is coming out of. Out of. We've, we've got a few people who have gave us some suggestions. What, what are they? Uh, the first suggestion we have is Todd Lore. Todd Lore. Kind of a kind of a mashup of our names there. Sounds like um, I feel like that's if there's a if there's a super virus that wipes out humanity, it might be the Toddler virus. We'll be like, oh, yes, that, you know, and then uh, and we'll be we'll be very sad about this. Right. <laughs> we'll look back on that day like we should have never named our podcast that. So Toddlers is one. At, I, I I sort of like that though. It's it's you know it's obvious. It has. Yeah. Um, what it, I mean, why not Tayod? Tayod. <laughs> Toddler and well, Tayod. Yeah. Honestly, we had we had talked before we even recorded the first one about um, uh, possibly using our our names in some geeky fashion because you are Trask and there's right. of course uh, what's his name Trask, uh, Boulevard by, Trask. by Tyrion Lannister. Yeah. In uh, X Men: Days of the Future Past, the Trask Industries. Yeah. Um, and I'm Mr. Anderson, which uh, even just today someone referenced to me. <laughs> Nice. See, which is like literally, I get you know every week. <laughs> I was gonna say after the Matrix came out, you must have just been like, God damn it, because which like... was hilarious because I didn't see the Matrix for probably a year what? after it came out, wow. and then and then after that, I was like, meh, and I never saw the other ones. Yeah, so... well, that's, that's that's probably best. Um, right. <laughs> that's you know what? Let's let's add that to a future episode because I have. I have an entire like uh, dissertation on what the Matrix could have been. Uh, and like, there's elements of the second one that I was like, "Oh, this is where they're headed," and then they just so didn't. And I'm like, "Okay, so I, that's, yeah, we'll put that in the vault for another 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 day." I just did that. I just added it to the vault. Excellent. But what's there was another episode title that somebody suggested that I thought was oh yes. Yeah. So uh, then we then um, a a Twitter friend of mine, Jocelyn Jane Taylor, suggested TNT, TNT, which to which I responded. It's like you're reading my mind because we had just made these show notes where I called them TNT. Yeah, yeah. Um, There's something fortuitous about that. You know, I I, I like ACDC. I'm down with with that, but um, it's, you know, maybe it's a little too on the nose or something. So when I responded to her with that, she – or I responded with thanks, not not, (laughs) not no thanks. Um, And uh, so she then suggested we could be heroes uh, that – which I said was a great yeah. title because it's uh, it's not o- there's not only we like could kind be of a ho- heroes just it's, for yeah. one day. <laughs> what there's you it. say? Ah! Sorry, that's I. Dave, if you haven't listened to David Bowie's live album yet, go grab that on whatever music service of choice you have and listen to that song because the live version of We Can Be Heroes, I like that's my morning jam. That's that's why when you said that, I was like, oh man. That's really like, that song's okay. a part I, of my life in a profound way. Wow, I didn't even I didn't even realize that that's that's why you responded that way to that. That's well, that's it's, cool. it's Bowie too. It's just it's, um, he's cool. Well, and I I also brought up that there's like this this lowbrow component to it, which is that the wallflowers, you know, they they, they did their best on it, and it and it ended up in the Godzilla soundtrack. <laughs> the uh, Matthew Broderick, I almost said McConaughey. Oh my God! So not even Broderick the new one. I was when you said oh, it, no, I was no, no, thinking no. the like, the one from last year. I'm like, I don't recall that at all. But and no. the Wallflowers are back together. What? Like, all these questions were swirling in my head. <laughs> so this was the 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 unspoken Godzilla movie. 
Right. So we have some choices. Um, I, I, honestly, I think what you and I have both found is that anytime we come up with what we think is a cool name, it's like a, you know, it's like what bands do now. We Google it and we find out someone's taken it. Yeah. Although I just Googled this. I've been, and as we've been talking, I've been looking at uh, podcasts coming. We could be heroes. And I don't see a series called that. I only see, you know, like church episode titles church or something. Title, yeah. It's different things like that. So I, let's put a pin, let's put a soft pin in that. Uh, yeah. as a series title. Cause I, there's, I, yeah, I like that a lot actually. And then, well, uh, if not, we'll, we'll keep, we'll keep looking. Sure. But, uh, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I, I, no, I was probably going to say exactly what you were going to say with the butt, which is, uh, maybe we should just get into this. this yeah. Is, we're calling so, episode one, episode one, the first one. So last episode was episode zero. Cause that was us. Yeah. Us we were just toying around and seeing what worked and, and all that, but what we want to do at episode one, since it's the first official one, is t- introduce who we are and talk about how we met. And and I think this goes back to the days of you know when you and I were both. You're in Nashville now, right? Actually, yes. Yeah, and I. I mean, to, I'm in an undisclosed location. Oh, sorry. I, sorry. I move. I move around the. That's right. The country. That's right. Well, at yeah. one point you were in Nashville, as was I. <laughs> Um, and we both worked at a company in Nashville and, and, and kind of ran into each other and we were, we were friendly. I mean, we didn't hang out all the time, but you know, you were a cool guy and, and you worked with other cool people in your department. So like we were all mutually friendly to each other and, and I think it was cool then, but it seems like after we departed that company, then like we kind of connected more if I'm, yeah, reco- oh, if I'm recalling correctly. And then I realized much later on that you were just a big old nerd like I am. And we were into a lot of the same stuff. You're a writer. I'm trying to be a writer. Um, and just I think we you're kinda, a writer. I mean, well, you're, you're a writer. You can you can own that. I'll have to. I, I need. I feel like to be a writer, I have to have written something. Compl- I completed <laughs> something, and you've completed many things. So I'm, I'm like, well, I'm, I'm almost there. I'm I'm getting closer. I I feel like I'm in the George R. R. Martin camp of like, it just takes me a while. So I can sympathize yeah. with that guy pretty pretty closely. Um, but anyway, yeah. So I and then I I moved to Denver and you moved. To, I moved to Orange County, California. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. And then uh, we just one thing led to another. And we had a series of conversations. I guess last year and you know the last every time I've been in Nashville, we try to meet up. And like yeah. every time we meet up, it's like we these two hour long like Have you seen this? Have you seen this? You know what is this? You know. And then we're like we should record this. And then. <laughs> And then sooner or later, you you wrote an amazing blog post as we talked about last time about Avengers: Age of Ultron. Please. Actually, no, I I <laughs> I provoked. I always think you came first. I provoked. You provoked it, yes. I provoked it, and you're like, wait till you read this. And I read this. I'm like, dude, we need to just let's just record this stuff right now. So yeah, I, I and I was down with that. That was that was such a good idea. And your geek um, cred runs probably deeper than mine. Like I I came from you know the 1980s as a child of the 80s. Like my introduction to all of this stuff was He-Man. So I was obsessed <laughs> with the cartoon. I was obsessed with the toys. The toys came with little comics. That was my first introduction to comics. Um, and I'll even, I'll even be a, I'm a diehard fan of the, of the original 1987 Dolph Lundgren movie. As much as people are like, that wasn't He-Man, I'll, I'll say this much. The, the two things from a He-Man movie that, that I don't care what else happens, the two things that have to happen are He-Man has to hold his sword up above his head and say, I have the power, and Skeletor has to be badass. And that movie has both of those things in spades. Like, Frank Langella as Skeletor, even as a little, like, six-year-old kid, I'm like, oh, 
Oh my god! Like it blew me away. And then to find out later on that that was one of Frank Langella's favorite roles he ever played. We're talking about like a, a an Oscar-winning or nominated at least actor, you know, celebrated actor of Frank Langella. And they're like, which what was your you know what was your favorite role? Was it when you played Nixon? Was it when you played you know? He's like, no, Skeletor. And I'm like, oh my god, that's that just made me cry almost a little bit. I teared up a little bit when I saw that. Um, and so to know that that was the case, they're gonna remake it. And, and I'm sure it'll be amazing, but I'm like, I still look at that, at that movie as like my like first big, like that was, you know, and then other things too, like Back to the Future and all sure. that cool stuff from well, the 80s that came out. Firstly, I was completely unaware that there was a He-Man movie. What? <laughs> How have you never, s- oh, oh. <laughs> but secondly, oh. it's so interesting to me that um, we both got, you know, our, our exposure to comic books came from toys. Yeah. And mine was from G.I. Joe. Uh, and oh, I, the, you know, kid. one of the first comic books I ever picked up, if not the first on my own, was G.I. Joe number 10. I specifically remember that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember what happens. I'm pretty sure it's Scarlet and Clutch, and they're in this fake town that someone's built, and they're being poisoned in this prison cell and hallucinating from it. It was wild that I read that. And then it's only been in the past couple of years that I've read interviews with the creators of that comic book where they acknowledged, well, we invented the comic book in order to sell the toy, which, Uh. you know, as a kid, like I... I sort of thought it... I I sort of thought everything went in the reverse. You know, you come up with uh, the story, like, there's a movie and then they make a toy. And then, obviously, that, you know, was kind of the peek behind the curtain that... (laughs) Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, I've been manipulated my whole life. But then, uh, yeah. you know, then I read a lot when I was, uh, you know, in that in that age of ten to fourteen or something. I, I read a lot of comics and um, and and then put them away for a while and only picked up the occasional one. And uh, I don't know, eight nine years ago, I got into them again earnestly. And so when after we recorded episode zero. Last week, um, we after you had hit stop on the record, you know, on the recording, you continued to tell me about how you had just gotten into comics. Yeah. Um, as an adult, and it dovetailed so nicely with how I got back into them. So yeah. we thought, yeah, yeah. let's just do an entire episode that talks about um, uh, comics. Yeah. And so that's yeah. what we're doing right now. Exactly. So, well, and it's good too because you and I both seem to be sort of in that sweet spot of of being image fans. Um, yes. And I like – I mentioned it a little bit on, on last time, but my sort of – my four-way into comics, I was never a big comic kid. Um, I was always sort of like loosely interested in it. Everyone – you know, I'd, I'd stop at the grocery store and there would be like the rack and I'd see like, you know, an alternate Batman sort of cover, you know, like a, a, a Elseworlds cover and be like, what's – Batman dies? What? Like and just not understanding what was going on at all. My, my only sort of exposure to him was – were those little He-Man comics. And they were – it was cool and that was actually – it's funny that you mentioned that you're, you sort of had this purest view of – of comics as a kid, and it was only later on that you're like, oh, the, they were meant to sell the toy. Whereas He-Man, like unabashedly, was like, oh no, no, this is corporate synergy at its <laughs> finest, and we're teaching it to you now, okay, you know, kid. It's like the comics, you know, stories in the comics would introduce a toy that would then be reinforced on the show, or vice versa. So like, if a character appeared on the show, you're like, he better goddamn well come out as a toy like next week. Right. I need, right. I need to add that toy to my playing, you know, my playing sort of you know, sk- you know scheme that I had set up. But I was, I was just never really. 
for whatever reason, and this is going to probably, I can just, I can already hear the gasps of people as I say this next thing. I was just never really into the superhero comic thing. I thought it was, I know, I know, at that time, at the time, because I was just like, well, there just seemed to be too much. I couldn't, I'm like, where do you start? Um, as when I kind of started, I, you know, it was almost like a carnival ride that was going too fast. And every time I tried to jump on, like I was, I got, I, I just got disoriented. And I had to jump off again or it kicked me off. Cause I'm like, I don't, you know, what, this has been going on for a while. Does, is there a start or an end? Like what? And there was nobody living in wall, South Dakota. There was nobody to go, you know, Hey, let me just, let me explain to you how this works. There was no internet. So I couldn't like go on Google and go like, what's, what's, you know, what's the deal here? Where do I jump in? Where do I fit in? And so I just was kind of like, I, you yeah, know, maybe, and it was only, um, it was only re- very recently, in the last five or six years, when I saw the movie for The Watchmen, and unlike a lot of people, I was like, "This, this, what is this? This is amazing!" And immediately went and got the graphic novel because I'm like, "I want to see how close it is. I want to see how it's different." And everybody was talking up the Watchmen graphic novel as like one of the pinnacles of of the format. So I'm like, well, I need to understand why that is. I was just intrigued. I was incredibly intrigued. And then I became a fan of Alan Moore. I'm like, what else has he done? Oh, he's done V for Vendetta too. Oh my God, all these things. And that kind of put me on this path to like comics and graphic, the graphic novel format, but to want to find those stories that sort of go a different, go a different way with it kind of are not what you would normally expect. And that led me to image, um, you know, the label that's, that's there. It's all creator owned. Um, I, I was kind of referred to it as the Green Bay Packers of the comic world because it's all it's creator owned. It's got a very very loyal, loyal kind of fierce following. Um, and I've noticed too, like you know, Free Comic Book Day was you know what two three weeks ago, and I've noticed the people who are Image fans are like they they are like died in the wool Image fans. Um, and that might be saying the same for DC or Marvel, but I I will interact with other Image fans, and it's like all they read is Image 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 stuff, and I'm kind of in that same. You know, boat right now, and I know you're not exclusively image, but you're definitely like we were. We were comparing our lists, and I'm like, here's what I'm reading right now, and you're like, here's what I'm reading right now, and it was all image stuff. So yeah. I was like, oh, that's and and it's crazy too because the stuff you're reading, I am not, and vice right. versa. Yeah, it's um, I mean, first of all, that uh, that business setup of being creator owned is is it seems to be a very a great model for them to to you know to use, yeah. and I can't. I can't speak really intelligently about how they've done it, but I know that I follow uh, John Lehman and Rob Guillory, who uh, write and draw the comic I read called Chew. Mm. And you know, I know on on Twitter they've they've made mention at least of um, that you know their responsibility is is to make the comic and sell it. And if it doesn't yeah. sell, then you know they don't have a job. It's it's sort of like the opposite of 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 Batman where the title's going to continue <laughs> whether yeah, that yeah, yeah. writer's on it or not, you know? Um, this is and, the one where Batman poops his pants. It's like, oh, yeah, oh. Yeah, and like, it's like, you, well, let's do another one next week. No right. one bought that one. Um, yeah, so it's, I, I just, I, I don't know. It's, it kind of raises the stakes a little bit, but it also makes sure that you're getting something that the artist and the writer want to yeah. give. And it's, you know, they're never having to compromise because of the arc of the, you know, the universe's story or, or something like that. Well, here's so. what it is. Here's what it is for me. So, so the thing I'm, it's not all the image titles, but it's a good chunk of them. There's no ads. Um, so it's, uh, you can right. read it start to finish. And if there are ads, a lot of the times they are built around the story. So they're fake ads for something in the universe of the story, which I think is really cool. And then more often than not, I know Dark Horse does this a little bit too, but Image seems to be very focused around the design of the of the book. So the covers are very, very 
graphic design intense or there's some kind of angle around the presentation and packaging and like you know Jonathan Hickman who we'll get into is is a is one of those guys and um you know all there's just the you know the wicked and the divine like all those books there's just a very considered sort of look to them that I really and that that even if the even if the writing is crap like I I I'll immediately get sort of interested in that just because they're like this is something that we're intentionally considering start to finish you know yeah well i think that's that's part of that same thing of you know when you buy when you get into an image title you're getting into the world of that one single title and that goes from the packaging of you know the single issue or the trade paperback all the way to the story it's like you know from the outside in you're getting that that nice capsule of it yeah. Well, let's let's talk about um, in because one of the things we we clicked on not too long ago when we were talking about this was just our preference on on comic art, and this kind of goes yeah. back to my sort of late entry into the game too because I just for whatever reason didn't gel with a lot of the way comics were drawn in the in the eighties and nineties, and and largely because my my scope was kind of very narrow. I didn't you know wasn't aware of a lot more than just what I was seeing on on you know newsstands and racks and that kind of thing. He, he- man, yeah. He- and he man too, yeah. And that was sort of like, well, this must be it. But but it seems like even even if the story is really good, it feels like and, and and correct me if I'm wrong, it feels like you and I are in the same boat of if it's drawn in a way that's not appealing to us, we just can't get into it. It's like I can't read a story for the story's sake if the if the if the art is not complementary to it or is not in my sort of wheelhouse of what I like. I will pick up a book with art I like uh, and, and, you know, and, and be into it. But um, even if the writing is not that great, yeah. but if the art is not good, I won't even pick up the book. Bingo. And yeah. I have the worst example of that, which is um, something you and I have talked privately about, which is V for Vendetta, uh, which yes. is this legendary, you know, series um, that's collected as trade paperback these days. Um, but as far as I understand that story was Alan Moore actually had to work with several different writers or sorry, he was several different artists Mm -hmm. and it just suffers, you know, it's like, I, I, I just can't, I can't get into it and I hate it. I've tried to read it so many times. And my, you know, my eyes just kind of like blur over because I'm looking at this art that I hate and then, and then I put it down. Um, and it's, I mean, it's just awful that I feel that way. They pat well, it's, it, it is too bad because you feel like, what's wrong with me? Because everybody's like, oh, this is a legendary, this is one of the legendary titles. You're like, yeah, and the movie was, I thought, pretty good. So you, you and I understand the graphic novel is different, you know, in kind of the the details. Um, but yeah, you you look at they pack so much into a page, and it's 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 very tiny art. It's very hard to kind of see what's going on. And and I would say there's a lot of similarity between V for Vendetta and um, uh, Dark Knight Returns. In that, and I understand, Dark, you know, Dark Knight Returns as a story is amazing. Like, if you go watch the animated version of it, oh my god! But the <laughs> the graphic novel version of it, like, I just can't deal with um, Frank Miller's drawing style in that particular book very easily. Like, I've tried a few times, and I kind of I kind of have to suffer through it because I'm like, oh, it's, and it's only when it gets to big splash pages that I'm like, okay, I, I dig this. But it's the small, it's it's got a lot of those like very small cells trying to you know packing a lot of stuff on a page and it's just not my particular cup of tea um, well so I, I mean i'll defend that one like to the end because i because that's and we spoke about this in, in the last episode you know I, I came to it as an adult i can't really speak about the history of what was going on at the time when it came out mm-hmm. even though i do 
remember it when I was a kid. It was just, you know, the creepy Batman that I didn't want to read. <laughs> but um, it, uh, creepy you know, as far as I understand now, it's, it's, I mean, he just tore apart the way that you write and illustrate a comic book. Yeah. And yeah. made it. So, and it's, you know, it's especially, it's especially incredible, I guess, when you look at, like, I'm, I'm always taken aback by how, um, uh, his Miller's work on like Daredevil, for example, was great, but it, it also fit within what you had seen in other comic yeah, books, you know, whereas yeah. Dark Knight was definitely like this really big statement of this is not going to look like anything you've ever seen. And it's not, yeah. but you know, and it's, it's not the same story that you've ever read. So it, um, I can see how it's difficult to get into, because again, you, you talk about when you're, you know, when you're as an adult and you want to check out some comic books, it's kind of hard to go, well, what am I going to like? I mean, you don't really know where, what can I get into? How do I jump into the middle of the stream on all these stories? Yeah. Um, yeah. Dark Knight Returns is one of those big ones that you're, is inevitably going to come up. Somebody's going to say, have you read it? Oh, yeah. And, well, do you know what helped? Do you know what helped me honestly get my my appreciation of dark the the book the graphic novel went up when I got it as a digital version, um, because I don't know if you've if you've tried this on the iPad yet, but a lot of these digital versions let you basically the, the cell that you're on it's almost like a shadow box where it's enlarged and there's a darker kind of thing around the rest of it, so you can focus more on each individual cell and not kind of be distracted by the rest of it. And for me. I, that made it a much more pleasing experience because then it's even though I'm not entirely a fan of the the art, I could at least go through it almost more cinematically that way, and you can kind of control the pacing. And I I understand like that you know the way it's laid out on the page, especially in the kind of that late '80s era when everybody was experimenting with the the format a lot more. That was you know the way your eyes go down the page and the way the page transitions physically is is important to it. But that did help me a lot. Just and so if anybody's out there going, oh, I don't, I'm kind of with you. I don't really understand. I don't, I don't get it as much. Get the try the digital version if that is the case because that does seem to make a difference at least for me. <laughs> All the purists, if if there oh, are if there are any who who would have ever you know whatever be they're tweeting to the this shit out of me are... right now. That's why I didn't reveal my Twitter handle last time. I'm like oh, we're gonna, <clears> we're gonna wait until I've gotten all my my dumb crap out of me and you know out in the open, and then people go, oh, that's just that's just how he is. That's that's why you're here. See if it was just me rambling on and on, like people would be like, okay, but see you're the you bring the the legitimacy, the credibility. Oh, you're our, just you're just setting me up for a terrible fall at some endeavor. point. That's what's happening. <laughs> um, yeah, I uh, I don't know. Maybe we should maybe we should circle back to that at the end of this. Yeah. Um. Uh, maybe about those books that that got us into stuff. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's do this. Uh, and, uh, we're kind of. I know I'm. I'm sort of uh, breaking our. We, we we had a format for the show a little bit, but we we kind of keep segueing nicely into different things. Um, in terms of Act Two of our little our little show, let's just go back and forth. And each of us talk about, and let's let's try to do them in order, um, starting with our kind of our favorite thing we're reading, and we'll each take a turn, and let's talk about what what you know, and we'll, we'll just go until I've got a big old stack sitting next to me, so I'm not going to go through all of them. But um, are we are we saying it's exclusively image at this point? It doesn't matter. I just say okay. whatever whatever you're reading right now that you're super excited about. Okay. And a lot of mine are going to be, in fact, all of mine except for one thing are going to be image. Um, so that's just kind of the theme of my thing. But whatever, whatever you're reading now that you're excited about, and let's just take each take a turn and okay. talk about what it is, why you like it, where you were, you know, the circumstances and, and all that good stuff. And I'll let you okay. go first. 
No, I, th- I think you should go first because you actually have a longer list. Ah, well, <laughs> well plus, plus, I want you to start with East of West because yeah, yeah, yeah. we talked well, about that after the episode the other day, and um, I was so intrigued, uh, and I'm definitely going to go in and read it now. Um, so, reason I have so much stuff on my list is I took a vacation a month ago, and I went to Portland. I don't know if you've been to Portland lately, but you type in comic book shop in Google Maps, and you will find a. a, a amazing treasure trove of, sh- of stores and shops that I have never seen anywhere else. I mean, every city's got their shop that's cool, but Portland's got like seven of them. I, I've they, never been to Portland. Oh, my God. And, and I went, and they're all different. Like, one I went into was like a very, very clean, you know, wood wooden floor, very well curated. It was almost like a museum. It was very, you know, good selection, but they were very specific about what they were featuring. Just a really cool experience. Another one I went to was like somebody's hoarder's house. Like, a, a dude who's had this shop for 35 years and you walk down there and I'm not even kidding floor to ceiling just stacked with books and stacked with books you didn't even see the guy sitting on sitting behind the counter because he was hidden by all this inventory they had everywhere but you walk up there and you're like I don't even know how to begin to to explore your store he's like well I'll start with this stack right here and he pointed to a stack sitting right beside him and it was like every single thing in that stack was amazing and i'm like oh my god dude and then i walked out of there with like you know three or four things i was just like god damn it It, that was i i came back from vacation with like half my bag filled with stuff um (laughs) so that's probably part of the problem but yeah my my sort of image it's 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 interesting that we start with east of west because my my sort of image fandom begins with jonathan hickman and I was uh, over Christmas just in a in a comic book shop back home in Rapid City, South Dakota, and I walked in and there was the East of West sort of annual special issue that was a, a world building issue. I had never heard of the series. I'd never heard of Jonathan Hickman. I was again, I'm still kind of, you know, treading water, trying to figure out what I do like, don't like. It hadn't it was you know, I knew of Image, I knew kind of the different things that were out there. I hadn't really picked up any you know any copies yet. So I I grabbed this annual, I started reading it. I'm like, this is incredibly intriguing. Went back and got um, the first uh, the first you know, trade paperback, volume one was super hooked. Volume two, volume three, volume four is coming out soon. So east of west, the pre- the premise is um, everything you know about American history is is and then just world history is correct up until the Civil War, and during the Civil War, um, a, a asteroid hits. Uh, what's I I guess as far as I can understand, it's about somewhere in Missouri. It hits in Missouri, and kind of changes the course of the civil obviously the civil war doesn't you know end like it did it kind of ends in a stalemate um at that time uh, a preacher from the south uh starts writing this prophecy and at the same time uh an indian chief writes the same prophecy and eventually mao Zedong writes the same prophecy but they're all writing a different part of it and at, at the same exact time they all uh they all die or at least two of two of them die at the same time and then mao i think finishes you know, they all independent of each other. They don't. They don't know each other is writing this, and then it, all three versions get brought together to become the, the actual prophecy that depicts the end of the world. Imagine then, at the same time, the civil war ends in a stalemate. The South, be, you know, becomes its own sort of you know country. The United, the, uh, the what's left of the Union stays the Union. Texas becomes the Republic of Texas. Um, the, slave, the free slaves kind of reconstitute a new nation around the kingdom of New Orleans. China invades the West Coast and sets up the People's Republic of America. And then the – probably my favorite twist, um, Red Cloud does what Genghis Khan did and unites by conquest or by 
by pe- you know by treaty all of the American Indian tribes into one single endless nation, and you know all of those that they basically they they signed this accord at the site of the asteroid or the the meteorite crash uh, which is now called Armistice, and that's America now. It's it's this 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 subdivided thing. That's the stage that we're set on. the The whole graphic novel itself starts with um, the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse coming back. <laughs> Right, and they come back as children, and one of them's missing. So uh, I think it's death, pestilence, and um, I forget what the other one is. Famine. Famine. Thank you. Yeah, and and death is not with. I'm sorry, death is not with them. It's it's war, war, famine, pestilence, and death is missing. And you come to find out that death didn't. At some point, they all they all died. You know, uh, you know, along the last time they were here, they died, but death didn't die with them or didn't go back with them. So he's been wandering around this whole time, um, and he looks like you know kind of this cool version of Sawyer from Lost and Clint Eastwood sort of combined. In fact, if they make this as a TV series, they better goddamn cast that guy who played Sawyer because I keep seeing him as his character. But these uh, the other three Horsemen of the Apocalypse come back and they're like he's not here, and so they go hunting him. Um, and then the whole story is, do how do they how do they help bring about the end of the world? How does death stop them? Um, you know, how do these different factions of what is you know what is now you know North America? How do they sort of help bring this about? It's super compelling, and there's like a really crazy sort of mystic sci-fi element that comes into play. That's just bananas. Um, you know, they they the the really cool thing that and it's kind of a sort of a spoiler. The really cool thing that I noticed was um, the endless nation becomes the most technically savvy, uh, I guess you know, you know country. I don't want to keep calling it a country, but um, you know uh, territory, if you will. They at one point, you know, because all the all the all the American Indian tribes are now one. At one point, they all collectively decide to abandon spiritualism. And you know all of their kind of traditions for logic and reason. So they become basically Apple as a as a society. And there are a couple, you know, there's a couple of sh- you know shaman and, and medicine men who are very resistant to that and kind of very and almost double down in the spiritualism of aspect of things. And so they they even gain the ability to like summon demons and all this kind of crazy shit. But the 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 regular endless nation become like the most technically advanced. So all of their, you know, their, you know, their devices, their computers, all that stuff is what they export to the rest of the rest of the country. So it's super, it's super interesting to see like what would have happened, you know, you know, obviously an imaginary universe. If, you know, if these things had come to pass, it's kind of, there's a realism there that I really like and kind of a really cool what if, um, but the art, you know, going back to the art is amazing. Jonathan Hickman has a very, it's like his graphic novel sort of background, or his uh, sorry, his graphic design background is coming you know, is full force here. There's a lot of pages. His transitions are just like clean white pages with, you know, light uh, light gray text that have uh, either a quote from the the prophecy or just his own sort of comments on things. The colors are just gorgeous. I just I fell in love with this freaking series, and I can't wait to see volume four. I've been holding off reading individual issues. So does Hickman do the art and write the stories? No, uh, uh, it's Hickman is the writer, and he's he designs the books. So he designs the transitions and just sort of the layout. And then Dragada and Martin um, do the actual art. I think they they take turns, or uh, I forget who does. Let me just see here. Oh, Frank Frank Martin's the colors, and Nick Dragada's the actual artist. And uh, Jonathan Hickman's the writer, and he designed you know, a lot of his, a lot of what you'll see in other Hickman books in terms of just the sort of the fonts and the, the the stylized look of the of the package is definitely is definitely here too. 
Cool. But I'm I'm a huge oh god and and again this is this is as of Christmas I didn't even know this thing existed and now I'm like I want to see the series made so bad, um, and there's a twist that I don't want there's a really cool twist that comes along about halfway through that I will not reveal if you're if you want to get into it that's very worth it and it takes you're like oh my it blows it kind of blows apart what you think was going to happen and then it, you're 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 sort of rooting for a character you never thought you would root for, which is awesome so. Yeah, definitely. No spoilers. No, fact, no, no. I, no. Just I'm when you gonna... said that, I thought maybe that's what we should call this show. No spoilers. Man. <laughs> it's too tempting. I'm gonna. Um, like, as soon as we say that, I'm gonna like let slip something. I'll be like, oh damn it. I'll be like, that's yeah. <laughs> well, I that description of um, East of West is like that leads so perfectly into what I would say about Chew, which is one of my favorite books, um, which is another image title, uh, and it it has that same. Uh, you know, it's a it's a familiar universe, but it is completely invented. <laughs> mm. It's um it's definitely like an alternate history of present day America, uh, where um the main character is Tony Chu. Uh, he is at one point like a police detective, vice cop, and then he uh, joins the FDA. Um, I believe that's correct. But he, he there's there's so many um. The government agencies in this that it's hard to keep track of them but who, who wrote it um so that i had mentioned them earlier that's john layman and rob guillory and, ah okay uh they have a cool collaborative art um you know that as i understand it layman writes it but then he also letters it hmm. um which is I, I don't know i just i like that about the books that they're you know it's definitely a collaborative effort and um they pack so many visual puns and things into those and and little you know posters in the background and Easter eggs and stuff like that that it's it, it's it's just amazing to look at and the art is so crazy different from any kind of superhero book you know mm-hmm. which is which is another thing that that really appeals to me in fact all the I think you know a couple of books on my list at least uh, um, reflect that and and I should also say that this this has such a great origin story for me coming to like it because um, the comic book shop that is like, you know, quote, my local in Orange County is Comics Unlimited in Huntington Beach. Mm. And um, there's two women who work there. And on with one of them, I agree with on like everything, you know, <laughs> comic book wise. Mm-hmm. And the other one often like I'll ask for recommendations. And this is such a case where she'll suggest something like, uh, and her name's Denise and she'll, uh, suggest something like, Oh yeah, check out, you know, this, the new Nightwing or whatever. And I'm like, Nightwing, I don't, I don't, <laughs> you know, Nightwing. I don't have a crush on Dick Grayson. I don't need to see this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so I, I generally, you know, don't I differ with her on opinion, but she is the one that told me to pick up Chew and I did it just, you know, I, I grabbed it, I looked at the art. I said, this looks cool. I took the first trade paper back home you know, read it breathlessly in like one sitting and was back for number two. And, um, so I am, I, uh, I will admit I am one volume behind and I have been reading it in trade paperbacks because they also put out the issues of course. And, um, I would be, it would be impossible for me to keep up with that. So, well, it's hard too, especially if it's been out for a while, if it's not a new series, um, a, it's, it's tedious unless they're just super cool and you're just that much into it. It's tedious to go back and collect every individual issue, 
um, and try to put pieces together. Like I was thinking about doing that with East to West, but I'm like, oh man, they already have the three volumes out. I'll just start with those. And, and it's like it's like Netflixing something too. Like I don't want to sit down and read one yes. issue, yes. and then have to wait, you know, a month for the next issue. I love sitting down and reading a volume where yeah. there's a thematic kind of arc to it, and you know, at least to the best of my knowledge, that's that's sort of how people are. Are, are planning these out. You know, there's a story arc and that's what gets, um, you know, compiled into the trade paperback and it, it's great. And anyway, so let me, let me jump into Chu. Uh, this Tony Chu detective has uh, superpowers, uh-huh. which um, are food related. So you see, it's, it's a pun. On his uh, name. <laughs> he's, right. he's Chu, C-H-U, and he chews things. Um, and uh, up until I looked this up today, I was pronouncing what, I was pronouncing what he is as a chibopath, but when I looked it up today, I guess uh, Wikipedia told me it's pronounced sebopath. So that has rewired my brain now, and I don't like. I no, feel like I'm going to mispronounce everything. But what it means is that when he anything he eats, um, he senses the entire history of the food. So interesting. Except beets, so he has to eat beets <laughs> because otherwise it will drive him crazy. So he, yeah, so he, he's um, uh, to, uh, add into that world that um, the FDA has outlawed chicken. <laughs> add into that that his brother is this famous chef. <laughs> oh my God! So wait, wait, uh, what? How how far is what? Are we, what year is this meant to be? Is this far future? Oh, it's, no, it's present day. Present day, just alternative present day. Yes. And what's it, the what's the condition for outlawing chicken? Um, I believe that, I believe there's just a disease that hits. And, uh, so he, um, it, you know, it's, it's outlawed. He ends up when, so when he ends up, um, joining the FDA, uh, by another person who is a SIBO path, um, he is, uh, you know, that, that's how his, his, his real talent emerges. Um, gotcha. uh, so not only can they do these kind of uh, it gets pretty grisly pretty quick. Wait, so because, okay, it's, because it's not, like, it's if not he, just... so if he eats a piece of chicken, he knows who killed the chicken, and he knows how it was killed and where it was killed and like what it you know um, what part of the world it, it was in. So wow. immediately you can see where this is going. If he eats a dead body, <laughs> oh gotcha. He knows who killed him. See, you made me and... think. At first, I was thinking this is like just almost more of a comedy where he's just like. I know oh, where this chicken came from. It's like, let's, it's, let's go. It is hilarious. Shady shit. For sure. But it's, you know, it gets gross right away. Because, gotcha. I mean, it's, you know, it's like page six where he's got to eat a body or something. Um, but this this world with these, like, these crazy conspiracy theories and this hilarious um, interaction of, like, all these government agencies that are, you know, in cahoots with each other and fighting vampires and SIBOPATs. And, <laughs> and so you keep wow. getting introduced to. Uh, people with food-related powers. Everything is food-related. And I won't even try to pronounce the ones that I've, uh, you know, there's a great directory of them all on Wikipedia. Um, so you can figure out what every, what every power means, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Kind of the index of everything. And it's, it, it's, it's just hysterical. Um, and add to that this, this crazy art that looks like nothing you'd ever see in a superhero book. Um, uh-huh. And it's just awesome. I love it. And, uh, yeah, that that would that would be my first recommendation. Chew, Excellent. Chew yep. is amazing, and I, I believe they're it. they're wrapping up. Um, oh, really? It's going to be. I'm like, not exactly sure how many more uh, uh, trade paperbacks there will be, like in total. But they have said they are going to 
end with issue 60. Gotcha. So, yeah. See, I like that. I like that. It's it's interesting you brought up the Netflix analogy before, too, because it, – and it's probably – there's going to be a lot of people who are probably you know, out there who are like, fucking duh. Of course it's like – of course it's like a – you know, it, it's – this it was always like this where it's like a series that you and the trade paperbacks are almost like seasons that you can binge and you can get you know three or four paid trade paperbacks you know teep at the same time and just binge them all and that is where we lost our recording so this is Todd uh, I'm recording this after the fact Taylor and I compiled our podcast from the other night and uh, upon listening back to it discovered that <laughs> At that moment, um, everything went haywire, and we hadn't noticed it until we were done. So, uh, we will continue to talk comics and other geeky stuff on future podcasts. We're going to call this one episode 0.5. Um, we're still beta testing this thing, so we're going to get it down pretty soon. Uh, until our next podcast comes out, you can find me on Twitter at HeyToddA. Um, please check out my blog at HeyToddA.com. You can find Taylor Trask at taylortrask.com or at taylortrask on Twitter. And we'll see you soon. Thanks.